Well, our second reading today will be from uh, John uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. As we come to that, let's pray. Our Lord, our Heavenly Father, we, uh, uh, we thank you for all uh, that you have given to us with your word. Uh, there is knowledge, there is wisdom, there is salvation. Uh, help us, Lord, as we uh, come uh, to your word today to understand it, uh, to grow from it, uh, to trust it, and to learn. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. Now, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Amen. Uh, today's passage uh, is well known and it's famous for that phrase, you must be born again. But do we even know what that means? Uh, born again Christian, that phrase often gets thrown around like a secret code word for insiders, uh, confusing the non-Christians and, and a badge of pride for those who know what it means or think they know what it means and count themselves as Christians. It has become a catchphrase within Christian circles, but like many catchphrases, its meaning can get lost. Uh, do you know what it means to be born again? Our passage today is the discussion between Nicodemus and Jesus. And it begins saying there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Uh, Nicodemus is a well-placed man in religious society. He's part of the ruling council and that council was, well, 
as far as things were concerned in Judea. They were the, the rulers of the country. Uh, he is a Pharisee as well, and as you know, uh, Jesus ran into confrontations with Pharisees all the time. Uh, they saw uh, Jesus' teaching as a threat to their own teaching and their own authority, and Jesus regularly shamed them with their knowledge of Scripture and their approach uh, to being righteous, which was all based on rules. So did Nicodemus come to have a confrontation with Jesus? Well, verse 2 says he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. Well, it certainly sounds like he's on Jesus' side. Uh, in, in, that, in that way, Nicodemus isn't your... A typical card-holding member of the Pharisees or the ruling council. Uh, but it's also interesting to see that Nicodemus comes at night. He doesn't want to be seen coming to Jesus because he's a bit afraid of what his fellow Pharisees and his fellow members of the ruling council might think about himself. Now, Jesus has not been popular with them. He calls Jesus rabbi, which means teacher, he doesn't believe that Jesus is from God in the sense that he is the son of God, that he is divine, uh, but in the sense that good scriptural teachers are appointed by God and they have his blessing. Uh, he thinks Jesus is basically one of the good guys, a good teacher like himself. This is far short of who Jesus is. So Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. This is why Nicodemus can't see Jesus for all that he is. He hasn't been born again. Jesus is the king of God's kingdom and if anything represents the kingdom of God, it's the king himself. And he's standing right there in front of him. And he doesn't really recognise him for who he is at all. Not even close. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, do you know what the kingdom of God is? Uh, it can refer uh, to the people of God on earth. Uh, that is the church, or, or perhaps in Jesus' day and before, you know, the people of Israel. That could be counted as the kingdom of God. But it also refers to the kingdom to come. Uh, the kingdom to come is the new heavens, the new earth, our eternal life with God. And Jesus' emphasis here is second, certainly on the latter definition, though they're connected. If you belong to the kingdom of God on earth, in truth, uh, you belong to the kingdom of God to come. But Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Unless Nicodemus is born again, he can't be one of God's people. He can't be a citizen of the kingdom of God. He won't be saved. He won't see eternal life. He will end up in hell. And Jesus doesn't say that's just true for Nicodemus. He says no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That means this is true for all of us. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. 
If you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to be part of eternal life, if you don't want to go to hell, then you must be born again. What does it mean to be born again? Because that phrase has become so common uh, amongst Christians, you've probably forgotten how strange it is. You must be born again. And Nicodemus is probably the first person in all of history to hear that phrase spoken. And he thinks it's weird. Verse 4 says, How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. The kingdom of God for the Jewish people was a bit different than we understand it. Now for them, it was their birth which secured their place in God's kingdom. They were born into God's kingdom by their mother. And many of them thought that salvation came to them by birth and it was theirs unless they rejected their religion. And so... When Nicodemus hears this and its connection to the kingdom of God, he doesn't jump to a symbolic meaning. But his thoughts head back to his own mother's womb from where he thinks he obtained his citizenship in the kingdom of God. How can I go back to my mother's womb? What do you mean that I must be born again? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Uh, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Water and Spirit. What does Jesus mean? Well, it's good, of course, to consider an Old Testament passage to see how Nicodemus would have understood it. Uh, In Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. There it is, the water and the spirit. And there are two things that are happening here, this this. First is this sprinkling of clean water to cleanse and to bring righteousness. And the second is the giving of the Holy Spirit to renew our way of life, that we may be changed from a people who disregards God's law to a people that begins to keep it. The first part, the cleansing, is necessary to be part of the people of God because otherwise your sins would separate you from God. Every time you have disobeyed God and done your own thing, you've sinned. Every time you have failed to live up to God's standards, you have sinned. And every one of us is in the same boat. Every one of us has sinned. There's no difference. We have all been enemies of God at some point and rebelled against his rightful rule over our lives. And unless you are cleansed of your sins, you are subject to judgment. In God's eyes, you would be unclean and unfit to be part of his kingdom. And therefore, only destined for destruction and hell. But when you are cleansed of all your sin, nothing more stands between you and God. 
You are counted as pure and holy in his sight. We must be born again of water. We must be cleansed of our sin. But that's not all. We must be born also of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God is given to us that we may be a changed people. I mean, what use is it to cleanse people of their sin if they're only going to carry on sinning for the rest of eternity? What would be the point of that? To be part of the kingdom of God, we must not only be cleansed of what we have done, but we must be remade and reformed that sin becomes something of our past. The spirit of Christ is given to us to change us. And with his help, we become more willing and more able to keep the commands of God and more able to live to his glory. We must be born again of water and spirit. In our first reading today, Psalm 51, those same themes were present. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Being born again is to be cleansed from your sins and to be given a new spirit, a Holy Spirit, to move you to do God's will. You must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. Why is this necessary for everyone? Well, Jesus explains in verse 6, he says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. In other words, salvation, Nicodemus, can't come from your mother. You cannot be part of the kingdom of God by human birth because sinners beget sinners. Some of you know I used to work a lot with computers and we had a saying for this sort of thing. Garbage in, garbage out. If you feed bad data into a system, you get bad data out again. It's like if you type the wrong numbers into a calculator to get a sum, you're going to get the wrong answers. It's the same with the land, isn't it? If you sow low-quality seed, you can get poor-quality grain. If you breed your sheep with the wrong kind of Sheep and the quality of your lambs will be poor. Garbage in, garbage out. We, we're all sinners. Since Adam sinned, we effectively inherit the sinfulness of our parents and our children inherit it from us. And there is nothing good enough in us to break that cycle. Sinful beings can only produce sinful beings. Jesus is saying that your, your grandparents were sinners, your parents were sinners, you were sinners, and your children will be sinners, and their children will be sinners. There isn't anything we can do to change that. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We are all sinners. Now, the only exception to that in all of humanity was Jesus Christ. 
Now, he was perfect, and you will know that his birth was no ordinary birth. But the rest of us fall short. Now, you may not think that you were a sinner, but there is no one who loves God as they should. There is no one who loves their neighbour as themselves as they should. We might succeed from time to time. We might even have the illusion or give ourselves the illusion of having met God's law from time to time. Even, even once we are in Christ, we might be able to do it more and more, but ultimately, we still all fall short of what God desires in us. We fail to keep his commands. In order to be anything but a sinner, you must be born again. In verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Uh, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus uh, what happens to someone who has been given the Spirit. Uh, The wind, like the Spirit, is not controlled. It goes wherever it wishes and, and you can't see it. But you know that it's there. You can hear it. Uh, you can see its effects about you. Uh, when a good sailor is using the wind, he'll watch the effect of the wind on the sail and make adjustments. He can feel the effect of the wind through the helm. And if the wind is not strong where he is, he will look out over the water for where the wind is roughing up the surface and then he will direct his boat to that place. He can't see the wind, but he can see its effects. And similarly, you can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the effect he has on people. You can see it because he has power over the person who is born again. They begin to do the work of God. Where they previously looked to themselves for what they should do, they now look to God. They are changed in heart and in action. They become new people. Different from what they were. They are reborn. I once heard the testimony of a man who used to be addicted to drugs. They controlled his life in totality. He would spend all of his money on them and and his life was simply wasting away. But then Christ came into his life and overnight the addiction disappeared. The drugs no longer appealed to him and his life was completely changed. And that man now preaches the gospel. And not all changes within us are so dramatic. God can work changes in us more gradually. You can't see the Spirit, but you can certainly see the effect that He is having on people. Can you see the effect of the Holy Spirit in the people about you? Can you see His effect in your own life? You know, when you were first born, you were incapable of doing God's will, but when you are reborn, it starts to really matter to you. And you start to be able to do it. Not all the time. We still fail. But we begin to be able to do God's will more and more often 
and we continue to grow. Change is inevitable because the Spirit is at work in you. You must be born again. Oh, you must be born again at least if you want to see the kingdom of God. There's no other way. You must be cleansed from your sin and be given the Spirit to do God's will. Uh, for Nicodemus though, this is still just all going over his head. He doesn't understand. It's just still too unbelievable. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? See, the things that Jesus is speaking of should not be new to Nicodemus. Already to explain these things, we haven't been travelling through the, the New Testament, we've been going back to the Old. Moses, David, the prophets of old, all the writers of the Old Testament spoke about these things. The need to be cleansed from our sin, the need for a new heart, the need for the work of the Spirit. And yet all this is just going over the head of Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Now Nicodemus is well versed in the scriptures. He's a member of the ruling council, one of the very religious Pharisees, a teacher of others and yet he doesn't get it he doesn't believe it but this testimony has been there all along it's been there from the prophets it's been there since the beginning of the scriptures and yet they still do not believe and now there stands before him the son of man the one who is from heaven who came into this world and now he is testifying. He is saying, I know these things. You need to believe what I have to say. You have to believe what has been said all along. You must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. Now you might say, well, I don't really believe that I need saving. You might wonder whether there is life after death. Or you might wonder whether there is going to be a judgment. But here is Christ from heaven saying these are the facts. If you want to share an eternal life, you must be born again. You must be cleansed of all of your sin. You must be given his spirit. And if you're not born again, you won't see it. Jesus, the Son of God, came in person to testify to these things and he says that you must be born again. You must be cleansed from your sin and be given the Spirit to do God's will. So the question that remains is how? How are we born again? And Jesus directs us to the need of faith 
Verse 14 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What's this reference to a snake being lifted up in the desert? It's a reference to uh, Numbers chapter 21. It's actually one of my uh, favourite passages in all the Bible, but it's inside that book that nobody wants to read called Numbers. And Numbers is rightly named. It contains a lot of statistics, a lot of lists of names and all those kinds of things, but there are some real gems in there too. And this is one of them. After God has delivered Israel from Egypt and after he's been giving them manna from heaven and quail for meat to eat, and after he's given them water from the stone, they are finally nearing the end of their time in the wilderness and are well on their way uh, to the promised land. But despite all of that, the Israelites began grumbling again against God and against Moses. And for their sin... God sends poisonous snakes amongst them. They are bitten and many die. And soon enough, the people repent. They ask God to save them. It then says in verse 8, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole, Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Here God redeems his people by taking away the punishment for their sins. But look look at how it comes about. Uh, Did God ask them to apply an anti-venom? No. Uh, Did God ask them to cut off their poisoned limb? No. Did they have to clear the camp of all of the snakes? No. What did the people have to do? Not much at all. They recognised their sin. They repented of it. They called on God for help. But God then didn't ask them to do much at all. They just merely needed to look at this snake up on a pole. That's it, isn't it? A snake up on a pole. Do you think that would do anything? It's a snake on a pole in the middle of a wilderness and you've just got to look at it and you'll be okay. It called for trust. Looking at a snake on a pole normally doesn't do anything. You're still going to die, you're still bitten. It doesn't get rid of the poison, does it? But that's all they had to do. I doubt they patted themselves on the back once they were healed, saying, oh, good work for looking at the snake. This is all God's work. But if you didn't believe that God's plan would work, then you wouldn't look at the snake. I mean, why, why would you? But if you believed that God's plan would work, then you'd look at it and you'd be healed. You'd be saved. It's a saving act of God delivered by faith. There's just no other way it is done. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus will become the one who is lifted up on the cross. And there, like the snake, he symbolised our sin 
as he received the wrath of God poured out upon him. And, and normally just trusting someone, just, yeah, yeah, this will be okay. It, it's not going to do anything. But that's all we're asked to do. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, if you put your trust in me, you'll be saved from your sins. And that's all we need to do. We just need to believe that God's redemptive plan in Jesus works. You need to just look to Jesus to save you and you'll be born again. If you don't repent of your sin, I mean, you're not looking for salvation. At that moment you do. The moment you look at Jesus, you will be born again. He will cleanse you from all your sin. He will grant you his spirit to dwell in you and you will see the kingdom of God. You will enter the kingdom of God. You will have eternal life. See, being born again is entirely the work of God, but it comes to us through faith. Just trusting that God's plan works. <laughs> trusting Jesus. To be part of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You need to be cleaned of all your sin and be given his spirit. But to be born again, all you need to do is to look to Jesus who was lifted up on that cross for our sake. If you've already accepted Christ, then rejoice. Give thanks because you have been cleaned of all your sins. You stand before God as holy and pure. You are counted as one of his beloved children. And he's given to you his spirit. Now, his spirit that can't be seen, but already is at work in you to change you. And but maybe you haven't yet come to Jesus. Do you accept his testimony that you are a sinner and you need saving if you know your sinfulness before God, then turn away from your sinful life and put all your trust in him. It doesn't matter what you've done, it's not too late. Put your trust in him and you will be saved. When we come to him, we are cleansed of all of our sin, we are given his spirit. That's what it means to be born again. We become a clean people, a renewed people, a people living according to the spirit who lives in us. And when you are reborn, you will see the kingdom of God. You'll enter that kingdom of heaven and you will have eternal life. How great is that? Amen. Let's pray. Now, Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for your promises. Some of these promises, Lord, are, are very simple. All we need to do is to trust Jesus and, and that's it. You will work your wonderful saving grace upon us and give us your spirit and, and that is all. Sometimes, Lord, we make it complicated, we... We think about our guilt, 
And we think about all the things that we've done and we, we wonder whether we can ever earn it. And, but you've promised us, Lord, all we need to do is to look to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who works in us to change us. Because, Lord, we know in ourselves we are powerless to help ourselves. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, who works within us. And we pray that his work would bring great change to us. That it would be clearly visible to ourselves and to others about us. That we would shine in this world of darkness. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.